almost everywhere I ever go, conversation always ends up getting around to one of acquaintances. Oh, do you know so-and-so over there in Middle Tennessee? Well, when you lived in Texas, did you ever meet such and such? I'm sure you get the same thing when you travel and visit other congregations. We, we like to make the connections and talk about the folks that we know that we know together. And when we hear those questions, the answers can range from, oh man, yeah, I know them, but we're really good friends, all the way down to, no, I've never heard of them. And what we recognize from that is that knowledge is a graded process. That is, there's levels. And there's all kinds of things that we might say along the line to that question. And what that means is, in some context, I can know somebody and yet still not know them. For instance, I know President George W. Bush, Queen Elizabeth, and even Oprah Winfrey. But I don't know any of them. We've never met and we don't have a relationship. The question that I want us to consider this morning is, if somebody were to ask, hey, do you know Jehovah God? What response would we give? What kind of relationship do we have with Him? Today, and with this lesson, we're beginning our fall focus. We're going to take an entire month, and we're going to be talking about God, who and what He is, and our relationship with Him. If you're our guest today, you probably uh, haven't heard about that, but you've gotten here on one of the most exciting days of the year, at least in my mind, because this is just a wonderful opportunity we have. We take an entire month, and we focus it on one topic, and this year our topic is God, and our title is Walks with God. That's what we want to do. We want to learn to walk closer with God, walking hand in hand with Him, having a relationship with Him, knowing Him better. And in order to do that, all the lessons this month, all the way through November 4th, are going to be dealing with God and our relationship with Him. We've got a book that has been put together to help each of us every day. And if you're our guest, we have one of these free for you, complimentary, one for each family. Everyone is to get one of these books. And we've got 25 readings every day that will help us get to know God better. And we have several small groups that have been set up. In fact, five of them that have been set up. Those are going to start meeting this week with one exception, the Tuesday night group that's meeting at Phil Barnes' house is actually going to be postponed because they're going to be out of town. They would be starting not this Tuesday, but the following Tuesday, but that's, that's been postponed. So if you're in Phil's group, talk with him about when that's going to start. But other than that, the rest of the groups are starting this week. And if you're our guest, you're invited to be a part of one of those groups. going to be meeting for five weeks to discuss our relationship with God. And I hope that everybody is involved in that. But the entire month is really about what we're going to talk about this morning, and that is getting to know God. And I want us to consider this question. If somebody came up and said, hey, do you know Jehovah God? What would you answer? I want us to notice six levels of knowledge and understanding. Perhaps we could break it down into more, but I think this will help us understand our relationship. And as we're going through this, please don't listen to each point as if it's trying to say that your relationship is either good or bad. That's, that's really not the point of this lesson. Now, we're going to look at some of these relationships, and, and we're going to notice that they're not good, some of them. Or they are bad, but that's not really why I'm pointing these out. Instead, what I want us to do is just be honest. Let's just take a look at where our relationship is and realize that no matter what we can say, no matter which of these levels we would have to fall in, we realize that we need to be progressing. So instead of 
looking this, uh, at this as kind of a black and white, right and wrong, good and bad kind of thing. Let's just be honest and say, all right, here's where I am. And here's what I need to pro- do to progress and get better in my relationship with God. Before we do that, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we lift you up because you are awesome and powerful. You are the creator and the sustainer. You've given us life. You've given us breath. You've given us food to eat and clothes to wear. We've had cars to drive here. You've given us a place where we can assemble and and worship you with the saints. You've given us brothers and sisters in Christ that encourage us and help us grow. But Father, most of all, you've given us yourself. You've given us your Son who died for us. You've given us the Spirit who has revealed the Word. And we are amazed at all these blessings. Father, we recognize that you know us. When we were formed in the womb, you saw us and you saw all the days that were before us. Father, we pray that you would help us to get to know you. Help us to understand as much as we finite humans can, your nature and your character, so that we might love you and we might walk with you. Help us as we go through this month of study, that it will cause each of us to exercise with spiritual exercise, that it will cause each of us to be more disciplined in our walk with you, and that it will cause each of us to draw closer to you so that we might resist the tempter. Father, thank you so much for letting us be in this relationship with you. Thank you for being our friend. Help us to be friends as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the very first level that we have, somebody comes up and says, Hey, do you know Jehovah God? We might say, No, I... I've never heard of him. I mean, have you ever said that? Somebody asked you, do you know you know Bob? No, I've never heard of him. However, in, when it comes to God in our 21st century America, that's just not likely to happen. It's really hard for me to imagine that we would meet anyone in our country in this day and age who would say, no, I've, I've never heard of God. Who is that? I know in Acts chapter 17 when Paul got to Athens, and he went to the Areopagus. He had to introduce them to the unknown God that they had been worshiping in ignorance. But I imagine there's just not very many like that in our society today. And in fact, probably to uh, talking to folks here, uh, there's not a single one like that here. However, if by some strange, odd happenstance, you ended up here and you've never heard of God, let me encourage you. Here's the first thing that you need to do. Open up a Bible. And if you don't own a Bible, we've got some that we'll be happy to let you have and take with you. And all you have to do is open it up to the first page of biblical text, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, where it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and earth. And just start reading from there, because this is God's book. And be introduced to God who created you and gave you life. And then progress in your relationship from there. There's not much for us to say on this level because there's just not many people here. So the second level that might come up, somebody comes up to you and says, hey, do you know Jehovah God? And what we might say is, well, yeah, I've heard of him. And think about that. In fact, this is almost the most common response. When somebody comes up to me and says, do you know so-and-so who lives such-and-such? I say, you know, I think I've heard of them, but, but I've not met them. But I've heard of them. I know some things about them. And I think this is probably where most people, at least in our society, are today. Sure, I've heard of God. I even know some things about God, but I don't have a relationship with God. We can look in the Bible in Romans chapter 1 and find an example 
of this kind of relationship. In Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 19, it says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Here were men that knew God. In this context, what it means is they knew about God. They'd heard of God. They knew some things about God. They could look around them, and because of the creation, they could know some things about God's power and His divinity, and yet they did not know God. They had no relationship with God. They knew about Him and may have developed some pictures of Him, but their pictures were all wrong. In fact, within this particular context, their picture of God was based more on the creation than the Creator. And so there are some folks that know some things about God and have heard of God, but they don't have a relationship with the true God because they don't fully know God. We've got another example of this in Romans chapter 10. This time it's among the Jews. That picture we just had was among the Gentiles. Here's a picture among Jews in Romans chapter 10 and verse 18. In Romans 10 and verse 18, Paul says, But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who do not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Here were Jews. Did they know of God? They certainly did. They, in fact, probably knew more about God than the Gentiles did. They had received the oracles of God. And yet, they did not understand God. They had not developed their relationship with God such that when Jesus came into the world, they understood what God was doing. They had not developed their relationship with God so that they truly knew who God is and what God wanted for them. There are a lot of people like that. They know about God, but they have an incomplete picture and they have no relationship. In fact, many folks, because they've got an incomplete picture, don't even want a relationship with God because they don't understand Him and they don't really know Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 helps us know what we should do if we find ourselves in that situation. If you're here this morning and you know God, but you don't know God. You've heard of God and you know some things about God, but you couldn't say that you have a relationship with Him Read 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. Actually, let's begin at verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. 
Now we, and Paul's here talking about the apostles, have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Paul is pointing out that God, through His Holy Spirit, has revealed Himself through the apostles and prophets and what they have written down. And if you have heard about God, and you've got a picture of God in your mind, but it's incomplete, and you have no relationship with God, you need to be getting into the Word, because God has revealed Himself to us. And as we study the Word, and read it, and learn it, we're learning God. And we're getting to know God, and developing a relationship with Him. So if somebody says, hey, do you know Jehovah God? And you have to say, well, I've heard about Him but I don't have a relationship with him. Then please, open your Bible and get in it and get to know God. The third thing we might say is, oh yeah, I've met him or her if we're talking about our friends. Isn't that what we say sometimes? Somebody says, hey, have you have you met Bob or Jane? Yeah, I've met him or her, but I don't really know him. Did you say that about God? Yeah, I've met him. You know, interestingly, when it comes to famous and important people, we we really like this. Oh, yeah, I've met them. I love to tell folks about the time that I got to ride on the airplane with Deborah Harry, the lead singer of Blondie. Absolutely, that was great. I even like to tell folks about the time that right here in Williamson County, Marita got to ride on a fair ride with the lead singer from the 80s hair band Slaughter. Now, we're not going to talk about how it is that she actually recognized him. We like to talk about, oh yeah, I know them, I've met them. And yet the reality is, we have no relationship with them. Uh, None of those people would recognize us. If you walked up to them and said, hey, have you ever met Edwin or Marita Crozier? Who are they? Never heard of them. Is that the kind of relationship that we have with God? Oh yeah, I've met Him. Some folks are banking on the fact that they did once meet God. But they didn't develop a relationship with Him. We see an example of this in Matthew chapter 13. In the parable of the sower, we learn about the seed that fell on the rocky ground in Matthew 13, 5 where they didn't have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. When we look at the explanation of the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 20, it says, As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. They met God, but then they abandoned that relationship. And there are a lot of people who are banking on that. There are a lot of folks, oh yeah, I used to go to church. Oh yeah, I used to do this, and I used to do that, and oh yes, I've met God. But the question is, have you developed a relationship with God? Have you developed a friendship with God, 
Or is God someone that you simply met once or twice? Here's the thing that we need to understand. This kind of relationship doesn't benefit us at all. In fact, in James chapter 2, I think we see another example of this kind of relationship. In James chapter 2, and verse 19, James wrote, You believe that God is one, you do well, even the demons believe and shudder. The demons know God. The demons have met God. They can tell you about God. But they haven't developed a relationship with God. They haven't submitted to God. And so the relationship that they do have is not benefiting them at all. Is God simply someone that you've met? If that's what you have to say, that yes, God is someone that I've met, but I really haven't developed that relationship, essentially I've abandoned developing a relationship, then let me encourage you to be like the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, who realized that he had abandoned the greatest relationship he could possibly have. And no matter what you've done since the time that you met God and quit building on that relationship, God is looking for you as a father would look for a son and wants you to return. Don't spend all your time worried about how you didn't develop a relationship like you should have. Just start developing the relationship now. And press on. So that the next time somebody says, hey, do you know Jehovah God? You don't have to say, well, I've met him, but I don't really know him. The fourth kind of relationship that we might have. Somebody says, hey, you know, you know Bob or do you know Susie? We'll say, well, sure, they're an associate of mine. Or we might say a co-worker of mine. You know, there are certain people that we know really well because we see them every day. But we're not friends with them. We're not close with them. They're co-workers. They're associates. And if somebody were to say to us, hey, do you know Jehovah God? Might we say, well, sure, I know him. He's an associate of mine. He's a co-worker of mine. You see, in that kind of relationship, we, we do know someone well, but we don't really do anything with them other than work. We see them from 9 to 5, and then we go home. If we see them at some other time than 9 to 5, it's because something on the job has required it. We don't go eat with them. We don't go spend time with them, except as the job requires it. And I fear that there are a lot of Christians who have this kind of relationship with God. He's an associate. He's a co-worker. He's someone that we have a working relationship with. And so, we see him every week on Sunday from 10 to 11, and perhaps from 5 to 6, and maybe on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. But other than that, we're really not connected with God. And then we might even have our daily little check-off-the-list prayer time and yet still not really have a relationship with God. He's our associate. He's our co-worker. Folks who have this kind of relationship with God usually view their relationship with God in terms of their connection to the local congregation. Well, sure, I'm good. I, I, I'm a member of the church. I go on Sundays. I'm doing great. And they think about Christianity as a series of checklists. What have I got to do to be saved? Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. Done that, I'm good. How many times do I actually have to go to the assembly? Well, I made it once. 
Or I might have even made it to all of them. I'm good. I've done it. But don't you ask anything more of me than that. How could you possibly expect more of me than that? I've got more aspects to my life than just church, and the church should not try to take over. You see, they really view their relationship with God in terms of their contact with the local church. What we need to do is view our contact with the local church in terms of our relationship with God, because you see, guess what? God actually does have the right to take over. God really does have the right to demand from us. God really does have the right to tell us how to live. God really does have the right to be in charge of our lives at all times. And to ask more of us than just make it to church. An example of this kind of relationship. Look in Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 38, we know the story of Mary and Martha. I would suggest that at this point, Martha had this kind of relationship with Jesus. And what's really interesting is that Martha really thought she had a great relationship with Jesus. She thought she had such a great relationship with Jesus that she was even allowed to go up to him and demand that he do something she wanted. You tell Mary to get up and help me. Notice what happened. Now as they went on their way, this is Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Martha had a relationship with Jesus, but the relationship with Jesus didn't govern everything. She was distracted and worried about all kinds of other things. Now listen, I know we live in the world. I know we've got things that we've got to do, but all of those things need to be governed by our relationship with Jesus. When God is just an associate, all those other things govern our relationship with Jesus. You see the difference? Martha, at this point, would have to say, yeah, I know him. He's an associate of mine. He's a co-worker. But right now, I've got something else I've got to do. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I think, helps us understand where we need to go if that's our relationship with God right now. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God needs to be in complete control whether I'm at work, at school, at home, meeting with the congregation, whether I'm with family, with Christians, with friends, with co-workers, no matter what I'm doing, God needs to be in control. How do I spend my time? God needs to be the one that's deciding that. Otherwise, He's just an associate. The fifth relationship that we might have, somebody says, hey, do you know Bob or Susie? 
Yeah, I knew them. We used to be really good friends. I hadn't talked to them in forever. You ever have to say that? I mean, I know I've got, I've got lots of good friends in lots of places. Some of them, the relationships have been maintained, and some of them, they've kind of gone by the wayside. And if somebody says, oh, did you know so-and-so when you were at college in Wichita, Kansas? Oh, man, yeah, they were, oh, man, we were great friends. Man, I hadn't, hadn't seen them in forever. I hadn't, hadn't done anything with them forever. I hadn't even talked to them. I think there's some Christians that are like that with God. Oh, yeah, I know God. Man, we were great friends, but I, I really haven't done much with him in a long time. We see an example of this, I think, in Revelation chapter 2. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 3, actually we'll start at verse 2. He says, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you can't bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you haven't grown weary. They had done a lot of good things. They were continuing to do good things. However, verse 4, I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Translations with which we're most familiar. You have left your first love. The relationship of love that they had had with God at the beginning had been lost. Here's a picture of folks that are still just going through the motions. They're doing the right things, they're saying the right things, but their motivation is not there. It's no longer about a relationship with God. And here's what's interesting. These are folks that are still going to church. These are folks who are still doing all the right things, or at least most of the right things. But Jesus says, you've left your first love. Jeremiah chapter 2 provides another picture of this. Jeremiah chapter 2, this time verses 2 and 3. In Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 2 it says, Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord, I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness, in a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. All who ate of it incurred guilt, and disaster came upon them, declares the Lord. Then he goes on in the next verses to talk about how they had abandoned that. How did they start? They started like a new bride who would follow her husband everywhere. Like a young married couple that are just absolutely in love, and they'll go with each other to the ends of the earth just because they love each other. They'll do whatever it takes to please the other one. Why? Because I love them. And then that fades out. And with the church at Ephesus, they were still going through the motions. They were still doing the right things. They were, they were still doing the things that the married couple would do. But the motivation was gone. The relationship was gone. And I think that can happen to Christians all too often. Even ones that continue to go to church. They can go through the motions. They can get the patterns right and the forms right. And yet no longer are they doing that because they actually love God. They shift from being in a relationship with God, wanting to do things His way because I love God, to wanting to do things this way because that's just the form and pattern. See, we've got to make sure we get everything in the right order. 
We need to have a relationship with God and because of that, do things His way. Not just think that because, well, I did it the right way and I can check it off the list that I still have a relationship with God. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 5, Jesus explained what we need to do if we would allow that first love, that friendship that we once had to slip to the wayside. He said in verse, uh, chapter 2 and verse 5, Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. He says remember. Think about what life was like when that devotional young love was still there. Remember that. And then repent. You see, it's wrong to lose that proper motivation. It's a sin to lose that proper motivation. And so we've got to repent. And then do the things you did at first. Do you remember what it was like when you first became a Christian? When you were so excited about serving the Lord and about your sins being forgiven? Do you remember the kind of studying you did? The kind of praying you did? The kind of assembling you did? The classes you went to? The people you talked to about Jesus? Remember those things? Do those things again. And your love and relationship with Jesus will reignite. When somebody says, do you know Jehovah God? Do you have to say, yeah, I, I knew Him. We, we used to be really good friends. And then finally, oh yeah, I know Him. We are good friends. In James chapter 2 and verse 23, one of the greatest compliments in the entire Bible is paid to Abraham. It says in James chapter 2 and verse 23, the Scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. I hope something like that could be written about me. I hope something like that could be written about you. That he or she was called a friend of God. But you've heard the old saying, in order to have friends, you've got to be a friend. If we want God to view us as friends, we have to be a friend to God. Listen to this about friendship. Look in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 24. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 24. The proverbialist says, A man of many companions may come to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You see, that's friendship. Being close, sticking close, staying beside. In fact, back up a chapter, the Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. We want to be that friend who sticks closer than the brother who is born for adversity. No matter what's going on, no matter what's happening in our lives, no matter what's going on, we want to stay close to those folks. Do you have any friends like that? People who have been there with you through thick and thin, no matter how bad it got, even when you messed up? That's, that's friendship. Now keep that in mind and look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. And notice Paul's relationship with God. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16 through 17. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me 
so that through the message, through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. When all other friends had abandoned Paul, God still stuck closer than a brother. But why? I'll tell you why. It was because God didn't have to go chase Paul down to be close to him. God didn't have to go hunt for Paul so he could be near him. Paul was clinging to God. Why was Paul there in danger of the lion's mouth? Because no matter what happened, he was sticking by God. He was going to teach God's will. He was going to talk about God. He was going to love God and do things God's way. He was going to be God's friend. And so when he got in the tough spot, God was still his friend. That's what it means to be friends with God. We've already read Galatians 2.20. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. No matter what happens. Whether it leads us through great blessings or through great hardships. And as Christians, we'll go through both. We've got to be willing to stick by God. We've got to be willing to do what God says. And to love Him no matter what we face. In order to do that, of course, we've got to know God's will. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. But that's just the beginning. We've got to be in the Word of Christ. We've got to hear it, but we've got to do it. And we've got to do it no matter what. Whether it leads to great blessing or to great hardship in this life, we need to stick closer to God than a brother. And He'll be our friend. And if you can say that this is the kind of relationship I have with God, oh yes, I know God. He and I are great friends. Please don't think that that means that you can just rest on that. Because if so, in a couple of years, you'll be given one of these other answers. Remember what it says in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5? 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 5, says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not enough to be able to say right now, yes, I am great friends with God. We've got to be continuing on in that. We've got to be growing in that. Our relationship has to get deeper and deeper every day. Otherwise, one day we'll be saying, yeah, I used to be good friends with God. So work to keep that relationship growing. So here's the question. When somebody walked up to you and said, Hey, do you know Jehovah God? What would your answer be? And remember, this, this is not for you to say, Oh, my relationship is bad. It's for you to say, here's where it is. So what do I need to do now to make it better? And let's all progress in our relationship with God. 